and welcome back to another episode of Protein Ramblings. We've not got a Jace episode for you this week because Mark's not available, but we have a bit of an odd episode, a kind of off-the-cuff idea that we had. We're a retro show, largely, and we're both into anime. It's just me and Naomi here. Good evening. And we're both into anime, and we've been discussing a lot recently. Akira, is it actually any good? And I just want to kind of preface this discussion with the, I don't, Whatever like we talk about here, I'm not trying to detract from, or neither of us are trying to detract from, the importance of that of Akira in Japanese media, in Japanese adult animation and anime, and bringing anime to the West. Yeah, I think in in that regard, yeah, it was a very important seminal film that brought a lot of eyes to Japanese animation. Oh yeah, completely. and that's not what's under discussion for sure. No, no, it's I think. The main focus of where we're going, like, is it good, is from a narrative perspective. Yeah. Is it a good story? Is it well executed? Yeah, and I think as well, I mean, certainly for me, I don't think I've watched it for a good 20 no, years. Was so it's, how does how does it compare to what I thought of it as a teenager, I guess? Yeah, that was, that was kind of my impetus as well, because I've not, because cards on the table, I've always kind of been, I've always thought Akira was overrated. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I... I bought a copy of it because it was such a famous film, right? You know, people are like, if you want to get into anime, if you want to understand the genre, the art form, you should watch Akira. So that's why I initially bought a copy of it. Yeah. And as a teenager, mid to late teens watching it, I just didn't get it. I didn't like it. Yeah, no, I, I can agree. So just a bit of background for those that don't know, Akira is a 1988 Japanese animation film set in 2019 and follows the story. It's set post World War Three in Neo Tokyo and follows the story of uh, Tetsuo and Canada and their motorcycle gang, the Capsules, and some psychic children. Tetsuo encounters one of these psychic children uh, in a chase sequence, kind of like fight with a rival biker gang, and it awakens latent. Uh, psychic power in him which eventually goes out of control and culminates in the forming of a new universe yes yeah, so that's um anime. pretty straightforward <laughs> yeah so it like where i think that this film always kind of fell down watching cage is gonna yeah i know pull your headphones <laughs> we have uh, a new addition to the family yeah we've got he a new kitten uh so yeah he 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 any cables yeah i want to chew them but yes, so I always thought where this this film fell down is that narratively it felt like it wasn't cohesive. So we watched the original dub because there's two there's two dubs for this film. There's the original 1988 streamlined dub and the one that was done by like I think it's Funimation or someone in 2001. One of the jarring things about that the original dub, and I wanted to watch the original dub because that's what I watched original yeah same. um but one of the jarring things is the fact that it's cam cavalier cam Calvert, clark? is it cam, cam clark cam clark uh who voiced leonardo yes it was very distracting who, yeah he voiced leonardo in the teenage mutant Ninja turtles remember and that from the first time around so i have like five minutes in i was like wow he really sounds like leonardo and you're like that's because it is it is yeah <laughs> in the 2001 redub it's Johnny Young Bosch that does it, which I imagine is like far better. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that's interesting and one of the reasons I wanted to watch it dubbed, one of the key things that's very interesting about Akira as a film is that it was one of the first animation films where the 
voice acting was all recorded prior to doing the animation. So the animation was then done with the mouth movements to fit the voice acting. Whereas typically the most common thing is you just use simple kind of lip flaps in animation. So it'll work across multiple different Mm -hmm. dubs. Um, So that's why, why the dubbing may not look as good when you're looking at the animation side of things. Well, that being said, I, I like for dubbing of that era. I think it's actually pretty good. Yeah, the voice acting some, is, is it, fine. It, 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 it's it's good. It's good, especially when you consider what what other dubs were happening around that kind of nineteen eighties era. Yeah. I mean, the other thing that I would say does hold up really well is the animation quality. The animation is beautiful. Like it's a, really gorgeous. The Neo Tokyo, the neon, the grime, the luridness yeah. of it all is. And stunning. it's got that because it's from that era where it was still very much like hand-drawn anime as opposed mm. to a lot of uh, as opposed to the more modern style now where yeah. you've got that little bit of fusion of cgi and a lot of it is kind of you know digitized digital mm. drawings and things like that it, you, i i do love that about like anime from like the late 80s early 90s just the 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 detail that goes into set dressing and yeah, stuff is yeah. just absolutely gorgeous. Amazing. Yeah. Um, and actually, it was one of the, at the time, it was the biggest budget anime film of all time. It was The budget was something like 700 million yen, like $5.5 million. It was outdone the next year by a Studio Ghibli film, uh, of course, um, uh, Kiki's Delivery Service. The following year was even bigger budget, <laughs> but yeah. it's Ghibli, you know. Yeah, but I think <laughs> Ghibli I, gonna Ghibli. Part of the reason Akira had such a big impact in the West when it came across was that art. It was the art, and I think it was also the it, like. Okay, what were you saying before? It very much, I like in terms of at least set set some of the set pieces and definitely the directorial style of some of the panning shots and things. There's no denying there is some influence from Blade Runner into this. Like, I know the manga probably, pre- I, can't, I can't remember when the well, manga came out. I think the manga out. ran from 1982 to 1990, so, and Blade Runner came out in 82. Yeah, so the... But ma- the film, Akira, obviously came out in, in 88. 80s, yeah. yeah, in 88. So I think there's de- there was definitely heavily inspiration for how some of the framing shots were done. Like, the main building in the center of Neo-Tokyo, where they have, they have their secret lab and everything mm. like that, it's very reminiscent of some of the panning shots of the giant pyramid structure for the megacorp yeah. in in blade runner but all the gushing and praise aside like i say it is a technical masterpiece is a visual masterpiece it is an incredibly important and seminal piece of japanese animation but the story is it any good is it well told it's a lot so i think the first thing you have to take into account is this is a two-hour adaptation of a manga that ran for nearly a decade yes and that wasn't finished when the film came out this so is also obviously true, yeah. That impacts the story you can tell, the characters you choose to include, the developments that you place emphasis on. Like, I, I did a semester of screenwriting at university. And I'm you not are a filmmaker or a screenwriter. No, but so. you are you are a storyteller. Yeah, and, and I, I would think... say from that perspective, it's a great film up until the last twenty minutes or so. Yeah, I think, in my opinion, I think there's a lot of time spent with characters where you're not utilizing that time to the best of the abilities. Mm. Like, case in point, 
Why were they studying psychic kids in the first place? This is the thing. This is the what thing. What was the objective of yeah. the study in the initial yeah. point? You don't, like and the, that's, the, the that's, government scientific... This is the thing. You are forced to extrapolate a lot, yes. particularly from the final scenes. Like we talked about it after we watched it. There are some scenes right at the end. So do plug in a bit of backstory for you. Yeah. But you are still forced to kind of assume a lot. Well, I think one of the things that we talked about just after watching it, which was an hour ago, we stopped to watch AEW Rampage and then came down and record this mm -hmm. and eat something. The one thing that we talked about, one of the key things uh, for Tetsuo's character development is his relationship with Canada. Mm -hmm. And you don't find out really anything about that until those final well, kind of like well, flashback scenes while Canada's in the you get, Tetsuo universe. You get little hints, but it doesn't do enough for me. And it's not that you need everything to be spelled out. You don't. It's fine to leave things for the audience to infer. But as it stands, the film Akira, Tetsuo's character arc is he's a whiny dick at the end and he stays a whiny dick until he blows up. At the yeah. start, sorry. And he stays a whiny dick until he blows up. Yeah. And then you, at the end, when you're in this kind of other universe, alternate space, you get a couple of scenes that explain to you why he feels overshadowed by Kaneda. And if you had them at the beginning, you could make a more informed judgment on his character like okay he yep. feels insignificant and insecure but you can't trust his perspective yeah you know you, you his sense of reality is not necessarily reality and i think that's important to have at the beginning yeah i do as well because it informs a lot about how that character behaves and th their motivations and helps you understand that character's perspective yeah exactly um, if you're going to have an unreliable narrator i think the audience needs to know fairly early on that they're unreliable yeah and I think as well, while we're talking about the kind of end sequence, because I think that's, I think it has a little bit of Evangelion, what I call Evangelion oh, yeah. syndrome, where it just tries to be a bit too clever. Because the whole concept of what happens at the end is Akira is kind of reborn. And you, this is never explained in the film at any one point. This is what I found out by doing research afterwards. So the opening scenes where you see the explosion and then it shows you post-World War Three Neo-Tokyo, it doesn't really show you what that is. You're, you're then kind of given hints that that was caused by Akira, but there's still no real explanation to what it was that he did. Now, in my research after the fact, I find out that what happened was Akira's power grew so exponentially that he was creating an alternate universe of space. Mm -hmm. he, he had, it was an alternate space. And it, it, they eventually captured it, like, you know, contained it. Um, but it wasn't a complete universe because it was just space and space. Uh, universe is made up of space and time. And when Tetsuo creates his kind of like his powers balloon and he creates like they release Akira and Akira starts expanding that white bubble again and absorbs Tetsuo. Tetsuo brings the time to Akira space, which is what creates effectively a second big bang mm. and then it contracts and becomes because one the, the idea is that once a universe has its own time and space it can't coexist in the same space as our universe yeah. so it blinks into an alternate dimension which is why the the white expands disappears and then it's just flooded with water and stuff but that's, that's not that, yeah that's up. not explained yeah. at all in the film it's you know there are bits of it that are alluded to it by some of the stuff that the telepathic kids say well they're saying it's already started yeah i think again they you know you and, can extrapolate stuff and there's nothing wrong with making the audience work to figure stuff out but there are big big gaps that you you can't plug because you don't even have like the breadcrumbs to them in akira that was my problem with it like like for most of the film 
I actually, for all the film, you don't even really know who or what Akira is. No, no. I mean, I, this was another thing as well. I thought, like, some of the some of the really cool, interesting things, like, you know, the cults that have formed around the idea of Akira through leaks of information from the secret government plot, like, that kind of stuff, it's briefly mentioned, and you see some clips of them. Obviously, they're following Tetsuo when they think he's Akira mm. towards the end where Tetsuo is going on that rampage. But I think you could have, there was a lot more that you could have done with that as well. You could have done more with it, or you could have left it out, to be honest. Yeah. Spent the time on something else. It, 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 all it amounts to in the end with what they give it is it's a nice piece of set dressing mm. and doesn't have any substance to it. And yeah. it feels like it really should. Yeah. And I think that the thing that's important about world building in that respect, where you kind of, you show a wider world. You don't necessarily need to explain everything, but you show it's out there. But the audience should be able to kind of slot it into the big picture without having to go and look up supplemental sources. Yeah, completely. I like. I do believe that you should be able. I, I'm a very firm believer. Like you can have your art house pod projects, and they can cause diff. You know, different people can take different meaning away from and infer different things on them. But to get a base level understanding of what's happened in the story, you shouldn't need to go elsewhere no. and and look things up no. you should be able to understand it from a, the contained story now i suppose if you watched it back enough times and really analyzed the dialogue of some mm -hmm. of the characters then you could really you could start to infer that because one of the key telling points is right the very last line of the film where you hear tetsuo just going i am tetsuo and that, that i think the inference from that is that tetsuo is kind of with the help of akira has grasped his powers and mm. basically become a god yeah She's like Jesus. I don't want to be in that universe. No, that would suck. I mean, although I mean, it's kind of it's kind of on brand for most gods, right? Being a petulant asshole. <laughs> I think it's also very much in the in the Japanese psyche as well. It's yeah. just like, look, sometimes everything is just shit. Yeah, and obviously the the film is a big metaphor for the power and responsibility and how human nature adapts to nuclear weapons mm. because nuclear weapons informed a lot of Japanese media. Completely, yeah. And I think there's also, there's a running theme. For an understandable in, reason. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I think there's a running theme in, in a lot of anime from this era as well about yeah. new technology and whether it's good or bad. I think you see the same themes in Ghost in a Shell. Yes. But it's yeah, yeah. I mean, Akira is quite often compared Much more elegantly than Akira, I think. Uh, yeah, I think, I think so. I mean, I think the original Ghost in the Shell film still has like some narrative issues. Mm. You know, when... At the end, where Matogo goes and becomes one with the puppet master, it's very it's very clear what's happened. Mm -hmm. So I can't fault it on that. I just you don't quite understand why the major kind of made that choice. It's, yeah, um, it's getting inside the major's yeah. head is the where it kind of falls down a little. I but I think if, she's um, almost purposefully in an enigma. I think so. I also wonder if some of this is translation issues because some of these themes mm. and the the exposition that you get in the dialogue it's it's very heavily philosophical. And I wonder if you lose something in translating it to English. I think you always do because, you know, one-to-one -one translations from Japanese to English, you know, uh, cards on the table, uh, we both are learning Japanese, so it's not complete, just weeboo talk. Um, this is from practical experience, you know, the Japanese have their own idioms and their own... Yeah, and context and context nuance, and nuance. And, very And it doesn't, doesn't always relate to the West. Mm. Yes. Yeah, completely. So yeah, I, I always think, yeah... When you're watching something that's been dubbed and translated into a, a, a very different language, obviously you're going to lose stuff. And again, I think that comes back to the problems of adaptation and what you choose to include and what you have to leave out. Mm. 
So from a technical story writing perspective, where would you say the major kind of points are that you would where you would tweak the the storytelling and the plot? Where would you what points would you improve upon to get give it a bit more of a cohesive narrative from beginning to end? You definitely need to get in more of what the, the government are up to and why yeah. and what these little kids are. And yeah. why? <laughs> and why very, they look old? Yes, that I mean, is never a explained. Huge focal point of yeah. the film and of the climax itself. Well, I mean, they're the, they're the catalyst for everything yeah. that happens in the film. And again, you can infer, like obviously mm. they've been experimented on, and I guess the inference is these experiments that have tapped into their psychic powers have prematurely aged them or changed yeah. them in some way. And also, like you do see a, gr- a, a, a again brief glimpse of the their origins because you see when. Canada's in the Akira Tetsuo universe. You see the kids as they were yeah, originally, as actual children. Yeah, yeah, as, yeah, as actual children and the original mm. experiments, and you see Akira. Yeah. But it's a, it's a brief glimpse it into really it, is. and it, it still doesn't give you any more of an understanding of what and I think what the it, government were exactly, fucking doing because it comes right at the end. It's kind of too late to make a real emotional impact. Yeah, I agree. Same with with. Kaneda and Tetsuo's backstory, but because so much is crammed into the end, you miss that, the, the character arcs and the emotional resonances that you would get if you put some of this stuff in earlier. Because as it stands, a lot of this film is just two boys yelling each other's names at each other repeatedly. Yeah. <laughs> and like, okay, yeah, they're obviously in the motorcycle gang. There's obviously some kind of power dynamic that's yeah. been unbalanced, but you don't find out why until the very end. And I, I think there's a difference between good foreshadowing where the reader or the viewer should be able to look back and be like, oh, that's why that happened. That's why he said that. That's why. And just dumping everything in the end and you saying to the reader, and that's why that happened and that's what that meant. Yeah, completely. One of the other plot holes that just kind of came to mind, and it's not, some, again, it's not really a, well, it is a plot hole. It's not something that's explained ever. They say post-World War Three, but they never go on to explain how World War Three came about. And again, through my research after after the fact, Akira's giant explosion was mistaken as a nuclear bomb, mm. and the, there was a, ser- a cascade of fucking political fuck ups that led to World War Three because yeah. you know Japan were like they, the government kept that under wraps about what had actually happened, and again that's never you know, like I know very little about that because. Mm. I, I, it's a very surface level dive yeah, that I absolutely. did on the outside. Yeah, I think and, that's the thing. If you had read the manga, mm. none of these questions would arise. <laughs> but if you haven't read the manga, there's so much that is just unfinished or half baked that included would make a really amazing world building piece. Yeah, I almost think, like we were saying before, there's too much story in this film mm. to fit into a film i mean it yeah. goes to, oh, i think the runtime is around two hours yeah i think it's just over in fact and maybe mm. like like four or five minutes over two hours and you still don't get to fit everything in no and i think and I, going back to things that i think should have been expanded on the 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 middle the middle yeah the, I mean, the, the, the middle act of the film i guess yeah, the second, second act, act of the film where tetsuo's powers are developing and he doesn't know what's happening yeah there are some really cool scenes in that I would have given a lot more time to that unfolding. Yeah. Because everything it's like one minute he's normal and the next minute he just breaks. And I think you could have played that out I think a could, bit more smoothly. Yeah, I think one of the one of the missed opportunities and where you could have definitely played a lot more you could have done a lot more with interactions between him and the other telepathic kids mm. in the institute, like lab area. Cause 
the main interaction he has with them is when he breaks out and goes on a rampage and they have a bit of words back and forth while he's killing everybody. And like, there's a lot of inference that Keiko, whatever her name is, mm-hmm. she's like, oh, people like, like big people like you shouldn't have the power. Mm-hmm. The influence, the inference there is that the psychic powers that they have are too much for someone who has developed to a point where Tetsuo is at, where it, it goes back to what Kay says when her in Canada are locked up and she's talking about if an amoeba had the power of a human, they would just continue to use that power to to feed mm. their base nature. And because Tetsuo was grown up and, be, and been in the shadow of people, he wants power. So mm. he's going to use that Esper power, just to, that godlike power, just to feed his already inbuilt desires. Yeah, yeah. Whereas a, a child is yeah, a child air is, quotes pure. Exactly, yeah. I, I do think that's meant to be the point that yeah. you can, and, and also probably from the perspective of why you experiment on kids in the first place, you can mold a kid to be what you want it to be. Yeah. <laughs> so they make good test subjects. But that's why you, you need more stuff from the government, right? <laughs> but I don't, I, so is it, this is something I wasn't sure of. Is it that Tetsuo always had this power and it was unlocked? Yeah. Or is it that he no, was given no. this power by the government when they took him in? No, no. So what happened, the, the what's supposed to have happened, again, this is not something that's very clearly explained, but it, yeah, I think there's a passing line uh, when they first start studying him and they get him back to the Institute. But it was his contact with the kid when he crashed into him on the highway that awoke his latent psych- mm-hmm. psychic ability. Which, yeah, again, it's something that could have done with a little bit more yeah, explanation. because it's at the and, end when he's talking to Kaori mm. and she's saying, why do, you, why do I think you're Akira? He does say it, it could have been anyone. It, could have been, it didn't have to be me. It could have been anyone. Yeah. So, again, this could be a translation thing. Yeah. There's some kind of contradictory stuff there in terms of these powers. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, there is, there's a line in there as well where the, the kids are saying this power, Akira's power exists in everybody. Yeah, so I, I wondered if that was a bit of a, not necessarily Akira-specific, but the power that Akira has exists in everybody. And it's just a question of degrees. Yeah. It, again, that's something that's very unclear from the film. And yeah. that's not something that I've... I've come across in my my limited research into it because I didn't want to do too much deep diving because I wanted to like you know look at this film as it's presented mm, yeah and same. no further same yeah um yeah I mean it's like I said I think it's it's a great film up until the last twenty minutes or so like when Tetsuo gets to the Olympic Stadium when he's finding Akira mm. scare quotes <laughs> um that's when it starts to unravel for me and that's what I remember from watching it as a teenager like I didn't. The things that stuck with me from watching it as a teenager were the ending where he kind of yeah. mutates and morphs and everything goes body horror. I didn't yeah. really remember much leading up to that at all. Yeah, I mean, the thing, the key things that stuck with me when I, were the bike. I love the bike. Mm. Akira's bike is just the, uh, sorry, um, Canada's bike is just the best fucking thing in the world. And yeah, the ending, it, it's very impactful in terms of visual yeah. stuff. Oh, yeah, completely. Like, and again, that's something that's not really explained is like why he morphed and turned no. into this amorphous baby blob thing. That, like the, the government guy talks, they talk about the drugs they've been giving him are wearing off and he can't yeah, yeah, carry no, anymore. But, why, but you are not really told that at the beginning, that like, yeah. oh, he's been given drugs to contain these And also, powers. also, just that doesn't explain why he became a giant blob. No, or specifically a baby blob. Well, the baby is supposed to... Like that, this is a metaphorical thing, I think, because the uh, the point where he's gone out of control like that and he's turning to Canada from help for help. I think the reason he turns into a baby is because 
mentally he's kind of regressing and he's going to that more kind of like childlike primitive Mm. state and that's representing the form that he takes that would have been really impactful if we know more about his childhood yes 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 completely (laughs) like if they if they'd have actually mentioned about any of why he fe- his insecurities yes yeah. it would have and made that's what a I mean lot about more the foreshadowing the breadcrumbs like you've got to have a trail for people to follow even if they're looking back in retrospect and being like right that clicks now that makes sense i don't want to get to the end of a film and have the filmmaker the film itself just dump all this shit on me yeah and be like now you know like this is it didn't you get it haha you're stupid if you didn't get it but if you didn't give me any clues that's not my fault and i feel like the yeah. film adaptation of akira doesn't give you a lot of clues. No, it doesn't. And I think, like we were saying, it spends a lot of time with key characters and not giving them enough dialogue to actually explain what's going on. And I'm not talking about like giving full exposition dumps, just a little bit more. Mm, yeah. Just to, And you don't have to explain everything. You just need to give enough for people to start putting things together like one of the key things when they're talking about like the akira pattern and tetsuo's pattern that stuff's never really explained any of that man i assumed it was like is this brain waves that they're modeling or something yeah don't tell me one of the things that is not really explained either is that when they overlay akira's pattern with tetsuo's pattern once his power fully awakes uh it's that scene where the general kind of like grabs the scientist and is like, you fucking, why didn't you fucking tell him and throws him down? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like Tetsuo's wave is like the inverse of Akira's. Mm. So it's like, that's why that whole space and time aspect come into it. But again, this is only because I looked it up afterwards. Yeah, exactly. All you get in the film is the scientist looking at this kind of Aurora Borealis effect and going like, that's fucking beautiful. But you don't know why he thinks No, no. Like, and at some points that, that, that same thing is like a, a locator as yeah. well like uh, uh, i don't know yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of and there's science. a lot of lot of scenes of the scientists looking at printouts from like yeah and just being like what does this mean and oh it's my just God. like yellow bar blue bar red bar <laughs> like yeah what does it well, like, tell me please you know <laughs> explain <laughs> to quote chris titus <laughs> explain <laughs> i think that's it i think i mean some of this is is i mean you've read my books you know i write pretty tight books there's yeah, a lot yeah. of superfluous stuff going on but I think, yeah, every scene, especially in a, a film, should be driving the plot forward in yeah. a meaningful way. And like, yeah, I mean, they do a great, happen. they do a great job of using some of the scenes to just inform more of the world building mm. about the state of Neo Tokyo and the fact that it's it's kind of kind of Gotham-y. like yeah, you know, it's yeah. a bit rampant with crime. I love that. I mean, obviously, this was done in the eighties, so two thousand nineteen did seem like. A million years away, but now the this weird, is the weird coincidence is though. Obviously, Akira's being kept under the Olympic Stadium yes, that they're yeah. building for the following year, yeah. which would have been when Japan was hosting the Olympics <laughs> yeah. if it hadn't been yeah. for COVID. It was very much, uh, you know, some of the, the kind of the background societal stuff, like everything is breaking down and police brutality and that kind of shit. So, you know, it still feels very relevant. <laughs> yeah, completely. Um, so I like. I think generally our consensus on this is that it's it's a very good film. Mm-hmm. It is a very good film, and I, I and I actually appreciate it more now watching it back as an adult. Yeah, definitely a lot more. Yeah, a lot more. But I still think narratively it has a lot of problems that that could have been addressed. Yeah. And I think that's the bit that's the that's the the bit that I find the most annoying about it. I think it's because it's there are things that you could have easily done there, and I feel like the the 
omitting of some parts of information were done on purpose mm. to to make the film seem a bit more grandiose and mm. a little bit more, you know, art housey, I guess. Yeah, yeah, possibly. And yeah. I don't like you you know, some there are some fucking great films that you don't need to do that to make a film great. No. That's or a story great in general. Mm. A story doesn't have to be smart to be gr- no, a great story. And to add to that, there's nothing wrong with ambiguity in an ending, mm-hmm. but you have to leave the viewer with enough to draw a conclusion. A conclusion. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. It doesn't have to be the right one or the one the the right one. The writer's intention. Exactly. You know, death, death of the, the author. This, exactly. Yeah. But there has to be enough there that you can sit back and be like, this is what I think this film was about. Yeah. When I get to the end of Akira, I'm like, I don't have a fucking clue what I just watched. <laughs> <laughs> it's like getting getting to the end of Evangelion yes, and going, exactly. Why what, have you done what, this what, what, what? Yeah. I, I was really enjoying this, that's, but you did this. It. Like, I was so into this film, especially having come from the position of thinking as a teenager, I didn't like it. And having yeah. held that opinion for the past 20 years or so, that I don't like Akira. I was so into it up until they got to the fucking Olympic Stadium and it all started to fall apart. I was like, and how has this not ended yet? I just want it to be over. And in terms of like, you know, your adult anime, adult anime, it's a really good, gritty, hard hitting mm. in points. Like, you know, like the bit where um, Tetsuo's girlfriend, Kauri. well, Kauri, when she's like gets assaulted by the mm. clown, like punched in the face, the, the, af- the shot of her afterwards, her face yeah. is like mangled and it's stuff. It's very visceral. Yeah. yeah, it's like a very visceral. Like yeah. the people get shot to and shit. And again, in I think this that's film. part of its import in the West was showing people look, animation isn't just for kids. Right? Yeah. This can be for adults. Yeah, very much yeah. so. I think like it's, it's, I think it's kind of a shame in a way because one of the things that I think made it so kind of like important and, and and noticed in the west was that kind of like visceral grime grittiness because and that's not the best part of about that film no, by any i mean it, it 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 does lend to the overall atmosphere mm. of the film in a really good way but i think the best parts of this film by a long margin are the animation quality the the world building the direction as mm. well is great like everything about this film is actually really superb and it, deser- deserves the praise that it gets yeah i mean so and it's just cliche, it's a treat for the eyes yeah it, it like it deserves pretty much all the praise that it consistently gets but it just falls down completely when it calls yeah well not completely i mean it's, it's still it's, an entertaining film to watch it's just a bit of a letdown from what has come up to the point of the climax yeah and i think it's it's important not to conflate a beautiful looking film with an A plus story. Yeah, <laughs> like and I think that's. I think I think that's that's generally what happens because you know, like if you in anime subculture, otaku subculture, if you like say I don't like Akira Man, you are those are fighting words, yeah. and so it's it's an opinion that I've not oft voiced. No, really, I'm like, no, yeah, Akira, yeah, that's a film, mm, yeah, yep, yep. Um, but you know, I, I revise, I do revise my previous opinion and think, yes, okay, Akira is a good film and it deserves, like I, like I said at the beginning of this show, it deserves all the praise that it gets because it is, an imp- whatever we think of the narrative structure of the film, the importance of the film cannot yeah. be uh, taken away, yeah. cannot be called into question. Definitely not. I think the the main the biggest takeaway for me and I guess the highest praise I can give it is that having rewatched the film I do want to read the manga now because I yeah. want to see the rest of this world. Yeah, definitely, and um, I also like. I think it's a film that I I, I wouldn't want to say a remake, but I wonder what a director's cut would have looked mm. like, what more they would have put in there because yeah. like you know 
whatever you want to say, there is always time constraints when... Yeah, absolutely. Or a series. Get, like I said, you turn yeah. this into like a prestige piece of, I don't know, Netflix, like, like Devilman Crybaby. I mean, well, how no, I mean, if you want, to, you want to go prestige, turn it into, like, treat it something to, akin to Game of Thrones, like mm. proper HBO prestige, mm. hour-long episodes, go that, go that route with it. But I would almost, I'd almost, I wouldn't want Akira to be remade now because the animation style that... Mm is used for Akira is not really used anymore, that hand-drawn animation style. And I think that's part of what makes Akira so great. And I think using a more modern anime style on Akira would really take away from the film. And that's why, God forbid, there should ever be a live-action remake. (sighs) I know they've tried a few times and it's fallen through, thank God. Yeah, didn't didn't one of them, like, did try a Western one with Tom Cruise at some point? The, The most recent one I was aware of was that it's supposed to have Kristen Stewart in it. Ugh. Yeah. No. I, yeah. I, 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 the thing is, I think if you were, if you put Akira into live action, you'd have to pull so many punches, and I don't know how you'd do that ending. No. Yeah. I have no idea. Like, I mean, I suppose if you were going to do, like, hypothetically, if you can do it in live, end, in live action, I would take the Watchmen approach and do That's just change the ending. Yeah. Change the end. <laughs> yeah. Like, Watchmen is one of the best comic book adaptations because it changes yeah, the ending. Just the best. <laughs> The ending in the film is better than the ending really in the comic is. book. <laughs> nobody wants to say, actually, I don't know if it's true, but nobody wants to say it. I think it's probably a fairly solid opinion yeah. that is better. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, to be honest, I think Ghost in the Shell bombing has probably put the kibosh in a lot of live action anime adaptations, which is I mean, just probably the what, best thing just about Ghost watch, in the Shell. Just uh, watch Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood if you want, or Death Note live action, Jesus Christ. And those are made in Japan as well. Like, mm. if you westernize, like... I do, I really don't like the westernization of anime. It's like no. if you're going to make a live action film, anime film that's set in Japan, why the hell have you cast Scarlett Johansson as yeah. a Japanese? Uh, I think as well the whole the Western psyche is so different from the Japanese psyche. The the yeah. the cultural themes that come across, the anxieties, the zeitgeist, they, it's they different. Just, they're lost completely. And it, and that's that. I think especially you know coming from a western perspective that difference that that's that very different in psyche and narrative and ideas and themes is one of the things that makes eastern media Hmm. very appealing because it's like okay this is completely different from what i'm used to and that that is also very much why akira was so uh such a breakthrough because Mm. it was so dramatically different to anything else that was around at the time and i'm sure as well it it benefited from sharing that that cyberpunk vibe from you know coming hot off blade runner which Mm. was um, you know still a loved beloved film rightly so Mm -hmm. and and that is something as well akira was very influential just in general for cyberpunk in japan like that cyberpunk Mm. theme in japan and japanese animation so, without just going on and gushing too much, general thought, general summary of this episode is: Akira is better than I remembered it. Yeah, it's a beautiful film, deserves most most of the praise that it gets, but narratively, it's a C plus. Yeah, I, I would give could it do you. better. Yeah, room for improvement. Yeah, and I still recommend. If anyone out there is into anime and hasn't seen Akira, definitely go out of your way to see it. It's mm. worth watching. It's worth understanding the cultural impact that that film had and appreciating it for what it is. And yes, it has its faults, and many great works of art have That's their true, faults. Yeah. But yeah, I, just that this was our thoughts, and we wanted to talk about it. And I'm glad I went back and rewatched it. I am definitely. 
because I would have hated to have just continued on with my blind, no, Akira shit, Akira shit, <laughs> fuck that. Fuck say it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's been our episode. Uh, just a short one this week. We should be back next week with more Jace and Wheel Warriors fun times. We've only got three episodes left to go. As in three podcast episodes, not three. three. podcast episodes, yeah. yeah. Three podcast episodes of like 15 episodes yeah. of the actual show. And then we're done and we'll be moving on to, we're going to do a... The next thing we're going to do is just a short one-off episode on Visionaries mm-hmm. before we jump into another series that's going to run a bit longer, which is probably going to be Dungeons & Dragons, mm-hmm. the cartoon series. So you can look forward to that. And we have been talking about going back and watching. So there's a lot of other anime from this kind of 19, uh, like late 80s, early 90s period that I absolutely love, some of which you haven't seen. Um, the next one on the agenda for the for the anime pile is probably going to be filmed by Gainax, the same guy at P- studio that produced Evangelion, called Royal Space Force Wings of Honomise, which I saw on sci-fi as a kid. And like, it's a very slow paced film. It's set in a kind of like alternate earth where they're trying to get their first manned mission into space the royal space force but they're under threat of losing funding and if i remember rightly there's like a backdrop of a kind of civil war going on as mm-hmm. well and it's it's a great film very political really interesting character work and stuff and even as a kid when i didn't quite understood it i understand it i loved it so yeah. i'm really intrigued to watch that with you mm-hmm. so that's going to be the next next time we need to fill in in between 80s car <laughs> 80s Western cartoons. We're going to slide in some more anime. Also, I think there's some Studio Ghibli stuff that, uh, that you've oh, not God, seen. I've, hardly, I've seen Howl's Moving Castle and Spirited Away. Okay, so yeah, we need to watch my friend Totoro, uh, Ki- uh, Kiki's Delivery Service. Oh, you've seen... It, it, it's not off... Uh, you've seen Castle of Cagliostro, the loop in the third film. I've seen watched. one of them. Yeah, Which Castle one? of Cagliostro. Yes, I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the Studio Ghibli loop in yeah, the Yeah, okay, film. yes, yeah, I have seen um, that. But I would, I would also, I'm, I need to check when it was from, but the other loop in the third film that I love, The Secret of Mamo, if mm. I can get hold of that, that's a treat. So yeah, we've got some ideas for more anime. If you guys like this, let us know. If you've got different opinions on Akira, please share them. Be really intrigued to know if you agree with our thoughts or if you disagree, if you think the narrative, if you understood the narrative first time round because you're a big fucking smarty pants. <laughs> yeah, I'm then- just stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but until next time, don't forget to check out all our social media, facebook.com slash Protein and Ramblings, at Protein Ramblings on Twitter. Tweet us with your thoughts on Nagira, at Protein Ramblings on Instagram, Protein Ramblings on Tumblr, and of course, our website, ProteinRamblings.com. And until next time, we shall love you and leave you. And for, it's a good night from me. And Nero. good night from me, Naomi. Bye.